Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Wisdom is living well in this world. It doesn't mean that everything goes well for you. It it means that whatever life is throwing at you, being able to live well through that experience. For what could be more foolish or weak or despised than a crucified man? A man dying on a cross in disgrace. And yet 1 Corinthians says that Christ has become for us the wisdom of God. Thanks for joining us. Today's reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, taken from the New American Standard Bible. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. The second reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 taken from the English Standard Version. Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Good morning, nice to be here this um, rather warm Sunday morning. I know that's what you're thinking. It's good to be together. My my name is Mike, and over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the ancient wisdom of the book of Proverbs, uh, which people have drawn upon for thousands of years. And we've been considering what Proverbs has to teach us about how to live well in the world, even when all is not well with the world. Okay? And uh, we're going to continue that this morning. I'm encouraged by the fact that what I've prepared to share has been what's been coming through the worship. So that's, that's encouraging for me, for like God speaking. Uh, this morning's going to feel in some ways more like a seminar than a sermon because there's going to be some interaction. But don't worry, introverts, I'm not going to make you talk to anyone. Okay? Um, I wonder, over the past few months, when you look at the news or when you scroll social media, how does it make you feel? Yeah? Looking at the news, scrolling social media, what impact is that having on you? If you've got a smartphone with you, why don't you get your phone out and put it on the camera function. You can just scan the QR code, and that will take you to Slido. And then you can just write in one or maybe two words, how is the news or scrolling social media making you feel right now? And if you're at home, it's wonderful to have you with us. You can just go to slido.com, type in the hashtag Oasis, and you can do exactly the same thing from your computer at home. And we'll see what comes up on the word cloud. You need to know that Everything we're doing today, interactive-wise, is entirely anonymous. So no one's going to feel like anyone's going to, to be able to identify who said what. So we've got words coming through. Unsettled, depressed, apprehensive, uh, sad, lucky sad is coming through again. Worried, worried is coming out big. Um, lots of other words. Unfortunately, you know, I, I've not got the good enough eyesight to be able to see some of those words now. I, 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 needed, um, I needed to think that one through. Um, <laughs> but sad and worried, I can see. Overwhelmed, anxious. Yeah, okay. It doesn't surprise me that those are the words that are coming through. One of it surprises you. We, we're living in anxious times, aren't we? And the world does not seem like a particularly safe or predictable place. And for some of us, anxiety is something we're prone to anyway, or even live with day to day. It's just part of our story. We're just wired that way. Around about six 
Years ago, I was signed off from work with work-related stress for a little while, so I know what that's like. Um, I know that I have a tendency towards anxiety under particular circumstances, and for me, most of the battles I've had in, in life have been to do with my mind. For some of us, living well with anxiety involves receiving professional support from doctors, nurses, counsellors, psychologists. These are gifts of grace and often part of healing. I, I see a psychologist every six weeks for like a kind of MOT. And that's to help me to do the job that I do well. I look after people who are approaching the end of their life as a doctor. The Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And you know, healthcare is a good gift and often the means by which God's grace extends to the unwell. Of course, God can heal in a moment, but often heals over time using people as part of the vehicle of his healing. And whether anxiety, though, has been a part of your life or not, all of us are living in anxious times, aren't we? And Proverbs tells us here that anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. Have you ever had that experience where kind of anxiety feels like a weight that you carry and it's, it's exhausting? Switching on the news or scrolling through Twitter of late has left me feeling heavy and tired. Yeah? Food prices up, energy prices up, interest rates up. Various professional groups striking, winter's coming. Public services struggling, famine in Africa, war in Ukraine, the loss of our much-loved queen. Sometimes it just feels like a barrage of noise that's perfectly designed to raise your blood pressure. Yeah? And mess with your mind and to leave your heart heavy. So what are we to do? How are we to live well in an anxious age? Well, it, it can be helpful, actually, to gain a little bit of understanding about how our minds work. See, the mind can be something that's somewhat of a mystery to us. On the one hand, really powerful. On the other hand, fragile. Um, and the truth is that we live in the reality of our thoughts. Yeah, whether what's going on here corresponds to what's going on out there or not, we live in the reality of our thoughts. So let's try a little thought experiment. If you, you might want to close your eyes for this, but I just want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that as you're sat where you're sat, the person next to you it starts itching yeah, and wriggling around. And they're itching all over the place, particularly their head. And then the person in front of you leans back and says, are you all right? And they says, oh, no, no, don't worry, it's nothing. We've just got a lot of nits in our household at the moment. I'm pretty sure that before long, you are itching as well, because even the suggestion of nits is an itchy kind of a thing, isn't it? And probably some of you, Rob Campbell, is itching right now, <laughs> yeah? Because the mind is a powerful thing, and we live in the reality of our thoughts, and sometimes our thinking can leave us in a, living in a world full of threat and anxiety that is somewhat overwhelming, particularly when there seem to be so many stimuli pushing us in that direction. Now, from the field of cognitive behavioral therapy, there has developed a greater understanding of particular thinking habits that we can be prone to that can 
push us in that direction of anxiety that can become unhelpful. And in a moment, I'm going to describe those to us. Now, all of us will be able to relate to these different ways of thinking. Yeah, It's quite normal to think these ways at different points in, in, in the day. But what we do know is that they can become such a dominant lens through which we see the world that actually it shapes our experience of life and they become the thoughts that dictate the reality we live in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe some of those different ways of thinking to you now. And then I just want you to think, which maybe two or three am I most prone to? And then afterwards, we'll do a Slido thing again, and you can vote for which ones you're most prone to. It'll all be anonymous, don't worry. Um, The first, black and white thinking. Black and white thinking is when you understand the world in very narrow categories. For example, I'm not as thin as I used to be, therefore I'm unattractive. And those two points, they don't join together, but in our minds, sometimes we can make that association or I didn't get the exam grade I wanted, therefore I've not got a future. Or I struggle with doubt, maybe I'm not a real Christian. Yeah? Sometimes we can join these very narrow lines in, in very specific categories and think of the world all black and white when actually it's all multicolored. Maybe you're prone to that. How about transforming? This is when you turn a positive into a negative. For example, my kids say to me, Daddy, you're just the bestest. And I immediately think, they're after something. Or what have you been doing? Yeah? Whereas maybe, maybe, just maybe, they just wanted to say something nice to me. Uh, Or you get a good report at school, and initially you feel quite pleased about that, and then before long, the second thought comes, this is a lot of pressure to take into the next term. That's transforming. Wonder if you're prone to that. How about mind reading? Mind reading, when you assume you know what another person is thinking. Yeah. So you write a, a WhatsApp message and, um, and, and no one in the group replies to you and you conclude, no one likes me. No one cares. I mean, it's been two minutes and no one's replied. And I know the two blue ticks are there. You know, I've seen it. I wonder if you're prone to that. Sometimes we can be prone to that. How about filtering? Filtering is when you sift out all the positive aspects of an experience and you only focus on the negative. It's a kind of perfectionism. So, this, so a year ago, I did some specialist exams as a doctor, and I walked out of the exam, and I swiftly forgot every question that I'd answered right and could only think about the ones that I didn't know or that I had actually answered wrong. And then I proceeded for four weeks to live in the experience of being you know, awful at exams and beat myself up about it. And in the end, in the end, I happened to pass it, but the point was, I spent so long beating myself up, and it was a kind of period of time that didn't need to be the way it was, but in my mind, that's the way it happened. Filtering, maybe that's what you're prone to. How about comparing? Measuring yourself always against the person next to you. I mean, look at Adrian. He's better looking than I am, better dressed than I am, better communicated than I am. He's got a different haircut. Comparing, maybe, maybe that's something you're, you're prone to. Generalizing. Generalizing is when you take a single experience to be a universal truth. So, for example, maybe tomorrow night I take a penalty at Monday Night Football and I, I, miss, I miss the penalty. And then perhaps in my mind I conclude I should never take penalties and rubbish at penalties. Whereas in, in, in actual fact, it's just a one-off. Very unusual. I'm very good at penalties. I should, I should be the penalty taker. Or perhaps it's that I went out last time, and the last time I went out, the person who I was there with got COVID a few days later, therefore I'm never going to go out. Generalizing. Is that something you're prone to? 
How about personalizing? Personalizing is when we interpret the world through the lens of our own contribution to it. So if something goes wrong, a relationship, a, a, a project, something we're involved with, then it must be my fault. I must have done something wrong. It's all about my contribution to it. Maybe that's, maybe that's something you're prone to, carrying the weight of the world when it's not yours to carry. How about catastrophizing? Catastrophizing is paying out the worst case scenario. You're probably more familiar with this. You know, your boss says to you in the morning, um, I'd like to speak to you this afternoon, and you immediately think, oh, no, I'm in trouble. And by the time the afternoon comes, you've played out the fact that he's going to, number one, sack you. Number two, reclaim your house for you. Now, take your kids away from you as well, maybe. By the end of it, you've got nothing left at all. Okay, and you've played out that scenario. How about translating? Translating is the grass is always greener. Um, it'll be better if I just could go to a different house, move in a different house, or better if I was in another relationship, better if I have a different job, better if I'm retired. And invariably, when you go to the greener patch, it's not as green as you thought it was, and another patch looks greener. Translating. And ruminating is the last one. Ruminating is always living with your head in the past, always chewing over things, maybe things you could have done differently, ways things could have gone. You know, it's different to reflection. Reflection is you, you think about something and you extract the learning from it, you move on. Ruminating, it comes from you know, ruminants. Ruminants, you know what they are? They, they chew things down, they sick it up and they chew it again. And they sick it up and they chew it again. Ruminating, I'm prone to that. I wonder if you are. Yeah? Which one of those are you prone to? Are you prone to any of those? What we're going to do is go back onto Slido and you can vote for maybe two or three that you think you're prone to. Oh, I'm so sorry. So black and white thinking, narrow categories, transforming, turning a positive into a negative, mind reading, assuming you know what someone else is thinking, filtering, extracting only the negative and forgetting the positive, comparing, measuring yourself against someone else, generalizing, taking a, universe, a single experience and making it a universal truth, personalizing, you're always filtering everything through the lens of your contribution, it's all about what you're doing, catastrophizing, worst case scenario, translating, grass is always greener, ruminating, living in the past. Okay, okay, thank you. Which of those are you most prone to? I wonder if you can vote either, either here live or at home and uh, we'll be able to see if there are any of those which are, which are more common. Okay, just, uh, you can do slider.com, hashtag Oasis, or you can, you can use that um, QR code. What's coming up? So we've got catastrophizing, you know, catastrophizing up the top there at the moment with comparing and mind reading. Yep. And I guess, you know, at the moment, you know, with, with everything that we hear in the news, catastrophizing, I don't blame you. Ruminating's up there, comparing's up there. Yeah, mind reading. You see, what, what we find is that actually all of us are prone to all sorts of different ways of thinking, which if they become the primary lens through which we see the world, can be really unhelpful, yeah? And actually, before long, they can, they can really dictate the way that our mind goes in any given situation. A bit like, let me give you an example, a bit like this dirt track that's going to come up on your screen at the moment. Now, this dirt track's had the same tyre of the same tractor going over it again and again and again. There are deep ruts, and so the tyre naturally falls into those ruts. And sometimes it can be like that with our ways of thinking. And all of those different thinking habits that we looked at there, they upregulate a sense of threat and anxiety. And, and threat is often characterised by regarding myself too much. That's what anxiety often leads us to. 
Now, all those different ways of thinking, put myself front and center in the lens. And if I'm facing life and all I can see is myself, my own capacities, incapacities, vulnerabilities, potential possibilities, then it's driving me always to be more than I really am. And that is, of course, an anxious way to live. Again, I, I know what that feels like. So how do we change those ruts and lay down new tracks? Well, on that dirt track, if there was to be a new tire that was put on those tracks, then initially it's going to feel quite bumpy and even quite nauseating until over time a new tire goes over it again and again and again and new tracks are laid. And that's similar with our ways of thinking. That actually what's helpful is to recognize what am I prone to, we've just done that, and to have space, safe spaces to communicate that so that then those ways of thinking can be challenged. It says in Ephesians about speaking the truth with love not bulldozing over someone, but being able to say, maybe there's a different way of thinking about this. Maybe there's a different way of looking at that. What does the Bible say about this? Let's see if actually that might change the way that this outlook is um, approached. And then over time, you choose to go down that route until different tracks are formed. So what do we need? What do we need with our minds? What helps us to cultivate better ways of thinking in an anxious time, in an anxious age? Well, I think we need three things. And the first is connection. Do you know, we're neurobiologically wired for connection. There's a reason why solitary confinement is the worst punishment we can think of for people. Because it's not good for men and women to be alone. So we need friendships. We need, I mean, and Alice spoke to us so well about this last week. Those safe spaces where we can be real and say, as it really is. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 5, counsel in a person's heart is deep water, but a person of understanding draws it out. Glenn Scrivener paraphrases this proverb by saying, I don't know me, I need you to know me. And that's so helpful. I I often need that. Sometimes I just don't really know quite how to make sense of what I'm thinking at the moment. I need you to help me. Safe spaces. And and, and sometimes we do need professional help with that. And, And other times it's just... Friends who know us and love us and want the best for us, who can, who can speak truth to us. That's why we have small groups here in Oasis, so we can develop those relationships and we can disciple one another. Gratitude is another thing that's so important in our lives. That's a protective track. There is a new field in the, in the, um, in the field of psychology called positive psychology, and, and it's, it's looking at what are the things that help us to cultivate a sense of well-being, and gratitude is one of the top ones. And the thing is, the thing is, the science is catching up with what the Bible says, yeah? Philippians 4, verse 6-7, says, uh, Paul says, Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving. Do you know, as we, as we cultivate gratitude and thanksgiving, it, it does something. What it does is it causes the things that are of value to appreciate in our perspective. They appreciate, they become larger as we are more conscious of them. And so we become more able to spot the things in the world which give us a clue to the goodness of God. Their value upregulates for us. So in our, in our particular small group, we often start by different people just sharing things that they're, gratitude, that they're grateful for, things they're thankful for. And that will sometimes be, I'm thankful for the cake that I ate at lunchtime, and that's often me. Um, 
But you know, there's something about that which just helps us to enjoy the food that we're eating, even as we're you know, drinking our tea at that moment in time, and recognizing, yeah, even, even nice food is a gift from God. Some people will say, oh, it's the, the plant that is now you know, flowering in my garden. And as, as we think about that, it's actually caused me, as I'm walking along, to start to notice flowers a bit more and realizing, yeah, the world's colorful. That's a sign of the goodness of God. Or sometimes it's a prayer answered or other things. Gratitude, cultivating gratitude is really important to us. It's a, it's a, it's a track that is protective. And, and, and within that, it also means sometimes it's helpful just to limit our exposure to things which are pulling us in a cynical direction. I just need to stop scrolling Twitter so much. Yeah, particularly as someone who works in healthcare at the moment, Twitter's a nightmare because it's, it's fueling all these fears about the future. And I actually just need to live in the present right now and, and receive from God my daily bread. Enough for today. Just enough for today. And what we need is encouragement. And this time, more than ever, we need encouragement. It says in the proverb, anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word gladdens the heart. Makes it glad. We so need to hear a good word. This, this proverb really lived with me through the early stages of the pandemic. And every day that I went into work, I just knew that I needed to look for opportunities to say something that would be an encouragement to whoever I work with because their heart needs to be gladdened because it's heavy right now. Okay? But this doesn't mean silver lining a situation that someone might be in. Yeah? This is not chin-up philosophy. That's really important because silver lining situations or silver lining a person's anxiety tends to only focus on the external. Yeah? And sometimes we want anxious people to get better quickly because it's too uncomfortable for us to sit with the distress of someone's anxiety. But the gospel is precisely a God in whose presence there is fullness of joy, stooping down into the reality of our situations to become one of us, God with us, the Son of God, God's Son, becoming a man of sorrows familiar with suffering, Isaiah says. Yes, to heal, yes, to restore, yes, to recreate humanity, but still to live in the experience that we have. Proverbs 14, verse 13 says, Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. Sometimes we feel like there's a, a need to present a happier version of ourselves than is really the case. Yeah. I, I remember. A couple of weeks before I was signed off with work-related stress, I went to a conference and I was all positive and chipper and laughing and enthusiastic and underneath I was just this bag of fear and distress and I didn't feel like I could say it to anyone. Sometimes a good word that's needed in a moment is the word that says, I see you, I can see what you're going through is really hard and I'm here with you in this moment. Sometimes that's the good word that's needed. But you know, there is a good word for every season that will gladden the heart, whether your world is presently more laughter or more tears. There is so much well-being advice and well-being resources out there at the moment. It's a saturated environment. And you know, much of it's good, but that's not what I'm here to do today. Because you see, the good word that you most need to hear, that your heart and your soul and your mind longs for, whether you know it or not, is a word that brings you out of yourself to regard the one who is above 
all and yet came to be with us. The living word, mighty in power, steadfast in compassion. The one about whom in Romans 4 it says, he calls into existence the things that do not exist and brings life to the dead. He creates what is not there, hope where there's no hope, peace where there's no peace, faith where there's only doubt. You know, when our minds are saying be more, and when it feels like situations are demanding us to be more, and when the media is saying be more, what we most need to hear is the voice of the one who says, I am that I am. It is what he is that we most need to hear. He is more than enough for us. This is the good word that gladdens the heart. Every day, I, Mike Blaber, need reminding who Jesus, the Son of God, is because when I've seen him, I've seen the Father. And the Spirit is always working to lead me to Jesus. He's the daily bread that sustains my fretful mind. And Jesus says in John's Gospel, I am the bread of life. He satisfies my deepest desires. He says, I am the light of the world. He can shine into every corner of darkness, both within and without. He says, I am the door. He's the one through whom we enter rest. He says, I am the good shepherd. He's the one who will fight for you, provide for you, lead you on. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's my life, my hope, my future. He says, I am the way the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and yet through him I come to Almighty God and I'm able to say, Abba, Father, you hold the whole universe in your hands, you hold my life too. He says, I am the true vine. He's the one who nourishes me with his goodness so that from his fullness I receive grace upon grace for every failure and every struggle and every need and every task. He's the prince of peace, my peace. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, even my sin. He's the alpha and the omega. Our lives are wrapped up with him. He's the beginning of the story. He's the end of the story. This is a good story, therefore. It's his story. He is the righteousness of God. He'll put things right. He's Emmanuel, God with us, God with me, God with you. This is good news to gladden the heart. I need to hear this every day. Let me tell you, my prayer life mostly consists of not moving beyond thanking God for who he is. Yeah, I just run through those things every day. Thank you that you are the bread of life. Feed me today. Feed me today, Lord. Thank you, you're the prince of peace. I need your peace. I haven't got peace. Would you give me your peace? Thank you, you're Emmanuel. Be with me. Yeah, And then thank you that you are these things for my brother, my sister, who you're calling to mind at the moment. Be it for them, Lord. Be it for them too, right there. And, and this is the encouragement that we can speak over one another. You know, to live in the reality of those thoughts, the thoughts of the living God, the mighty God who's at work in every situation. Well, that's joy. Live in the reality of those. And so we speak this encouragement over one another compassionately, Present still to the distress that anxious times cause, but clinging on to the truth that God has the final word, and his word is life and light, and his word is Christ given to you. And perhaps you're only just finding out about him. 
Maybe you're here and you're only just finding out about him. Well, however messy you feel and however much you feel like you want to hide away, he says, come. Come, just as you are. He is the word of the Father who can gladden every heart. We're going to respond by singing. And band are just going to come up now. Can we stand? Is that okay? If you're able to. Most of us are probably feeling the, the weight of the times. And, um, and it feels maybe like there's a lot to carry. And you just need to know the Lord carrying you. And it might be that some of us need to, to have that moment of connection after this service, to pray with someone, to be able to say it as it is. Someone who say, and if you don't know anyone well enough for that, then why don't you come down the front here? Myself, Gene, Adrian will be available to pray. We'd love, we'd love to do that. Love to do that. Maybe you want to be connected into a small group. We can help you with that. But right now, let's lift our eyes to the one who is the living word, the resounding word. And he's the word for you, the Lord Jesus. One day we will see him face to face, but he's here right now by his spirit. We're going to sing truths about who we are in light of who he is. So let me pray as we begin to do that. Father God, I want to thank you that um, when times are good, you are good. And when times are hard, you are good. You are good. And you are faithful to every promise that you make and all of your promises are wrapped up in Jesus. The Bible says all of God's promises find their amen in Christ. So we just pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you minister now? Would you minister to our fretful minds and our heavy hearts? Would you minister the reality of Jesus? It's not a nice thought, it's a living reality. Jesus is alive, risen from the dead. And Holy Spirit, would you come now and cause us to live in that reality afresh, that the living God is our God. We need not be afraid.